take that for data, LeBron Toe. Welcome to the bench warmer where I and Nick Ahmed am going to cry in a corner because the teams I'm rooting for are slowly losing one by one and inevitably it's going to be Cavs versus Warriors the fourth time. Looking at you trash ass bros. But on the bright side, we got fizz and tantrums. Horrible joke, I know. But they're a great band, by the way. Check them out. But on a more serious note, yes, the Knicks front office, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, have decided to go with David Fitzdale to be the new Knicks head coach on a four-year deal. This was reported by Ian Bagley. Um, you know, what can I say? It was really between Blatt, Fitzdale, and Budenholzer. And... I believe that Blatt deserves a second chance, you know. I said in the previous podcast that he wasn't given a fair shot mainly because it was a win-now situation when LeBron came through and he wanted a specific rebuild team with Kyrie Wiggins and Anthony Bennett. Man, I can't even say that name without laughing. But regardless, those are the top three candidates. I'm just so happy that it's just now with Mark Jackson. Thank the Lord. Hamelo. But really, what do we know about David Fitzdale? Well, I know a lot of people remember him by saying he doesn't want to be rooked in the playoffs because he took that Memphis Grizzlies team to the playoffs. And essentially, he's known for that video clip because he believes that the refs, you know, screwed them over at the end. But yeah, he's known for having a personality, a personal type of relationship with the players. He's very passionate about whatever team he coaches. And, yeah, you know, I'm about to break down in case you guys don't know much about David Fitzdale because, really, all I really knew was that he was the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I'm about to break it down to you about who this guy is and why you guys should be excited for him. So, here we go. Um, He's 43 years old, so a young coach. Thankfully, you know, he has a lot of room to grow with the team. I think that's what we're all trying to look for. Uh, he was an assistant to Eric Spolstra when he was with the Miami Big Three uh, Heat team with LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. Mike Miller. I can't believe I put Mike Miller there, too. Mike Miller, um, Birdman Anderson. You know, he was there. And LeBron truly does have a lot of respect for this man. I'll get into that a little later on. But from 03 to 04, uh, he was an assistant to Golden State for his first year. That's when they sucked. That's when no one cared about Golden State, but aside the point. From 04 to 08, he was assistant to the Atlanta Hawks, who weren't that great. But... And then from 08 to 16, this is where he was assistant to the Miami Big Three Heat. Um, there's an iconic picture of him talking to D-Wade, um... LeBron James and uh, Chris Bosh, and they're all actually seeming like to actually like listen to him for guidance, and I think that's a great thing to have within a coach. If LeBron James, D Wade, and Chris Bosh actually follow what a specific coach says, especially LeBron James, who is given the situation in Cleveland right now, he basically has he is like the coach, he is the team. But I'll get into LeBron to later on. Um, first season with the Grizzlies, I'm going to break it down. Uh, 
that was when he was it was 2016 to 2018. This is 10 years with the Grizzlies. But his uh, win percentage, win and loss percentage as a head coach for the Grizzlies was point five hundred thirty nine, with forty three wins and thirty nine losses. I would have to say that that's with his first season. By the way, I'm not counting his second season because he was a horribly short. Term, he had a horribly short term with that team. I don't know why they decided to fire him. I don't even know what the Grizzlies are even doing now. I don't think anyone really knows because they just brought back JB Bickerstaff, the guy who replaced Vids. Um, but aside the point, um, he was fired early in the second season with seven uh, wins and 12 losses at a .368% uh, win-loss ratio. Um, to really summarize why he was fired, there's been a lot of problems with Mark Gasol. So in my notes, it says that with... Uh, I looked it up with SB Nation um, article by Mike Michael D Sykes on the day after he got fired, which is the 28th of November. Conley had a uh, sore Achilles heel, so Mike Conley he had a sore Achilles heel, which put him out for two to four weeks, and that kind of really hurt the Grizzlies because they had seven wins and six losses at that point, but losing to like the Pacers, the Heat. And then finally the Mavs and the Nets, which was the last straw for the front office to fire Fitzdale. Uh, granted, it's a tough situation. If you lose your guard, who are you really going to run with? Who's really going to facilitate the offense? I don't really blame the guy. But the one thing that I pointed out by uh, Michael D. Sykes is that during the Nets game, he didn't put in Gasol and the starters into the game and instead ran the bench lineup to get back in the game while losing 10 points. This anchored Gasol because at the post-game interview, he stated, and there's a whole Twitter video over up, he says, if I'm not on the floor, that means I'm not valued, and that, I'm sure, they know hurt me the most. Gasol said, after a game, I'm sure they wouldn't do it to Mike Conley. It's just the way it is. You have to deal with it. So you can see that Mike Conley, I mean, <laughs> Mark Gasol, my fault. Mark Gasol was angered because he wasn't put in, and I can see why, but... Apparently, according to uh, Draft Express's uh, Jonathan Gavini, uh, he tweeted that there were conf uh, confrontations between Fitzdale and Gasol during the practice sessions. So it seems like something's been brewing against Fitzdale and Gasol. And I guess between the two, the star and the head coach, who actually brought them to playoffs in a long time, the front office decided to fire the head coach. Usually, in this scenario, I would say the head coach would try to get backing from the front office to actually calm down the star, given the situation with Mike Conley being out. But that didn't happen, of course. Also, according to Michael D. Sykes, <clears throat> the uh, Grizzlies owner isn't a patient man. Robert Perra, who is the owner, uh, states that Fitzdale... Well, Michael Michael D. Sykes states that Fitzdale did a lot without having very much to work with, which is true. He had Jamichael Green and Mark Gasol. He had an old Vince Carter, an old Tony Allen. I could go on and on, but wow, he had a he had a pretty veteran roster. But aside the point. But apparently, the previous coaches Lionel Hollins was fired after he won 56 games, and Dave Yoger. I'm probably pronouncing his last name right. Yoger? Joger? 
was let go after three of the most successful seasons in franchise history. As surprising as this move is right now, it doesn't stray from the fact that we've seen from organization in the past. Essentially, he's kind of more like a more aggravated uh, Chris Dolan. Uh, I don't really see Dolan actually doing much against the Knicks in a while. It's been like, what, five, six years since Phil Jackson was hired? He didn't really meddle into it. So, you know, we're out of that scenario. But aside the point, uh, why should the Knicks be excited about David Fitzdale? And I know a lot of people are wondering, like, oh, how is he going to do with a European superstar now if he angered Marcus Saul? Bro, he's on a plane right now to Latvia to meet with Chris Stapps right now. If that's not dedication as a head coach trying to see what the game plan is for next season, for the upcoming season after that, I don't know what is. Because if the guy who was just named head coach is already on the plane to Latvia trying to meet with our superstar, then... You got to give him some credit for that, for being personal amongst his players. One thing I can say is that LeBron James really vouches for him because he tweeted like on the day he fits got fired by the Grizzlies. He says, I need some answers. Seems like my man was a fall guy. That really shows that LeBron James actually had no idea why in the world he was fired. After spending some time with him in Miami during LeBron's peak days, I would say, granted he might be having his peak again, 41 freaking points, 43 points actually against the Raptors, but we'll get into that in a moment, but having LeBron James actually tweet out saying he doesn't think that Dave Fitzdale should actually have been fired and he has no idea why, it shows to Santa Reason that David Fitzdale was wrongly fired. It was just a casualty of the front office by the owner, his own decision, and why Fitzdale was fired. Clearly, if he only had literally a season to work with the Grizzlies, and he brought them to the playoffs. Granted, they got kicked out of the first round, but wow, to do that much with that kind of roster? I'm impressed, I have to say. I'm very very impressed um up here i mean notes i have some stats about the big three well not even the big three the main core they had um basically he turned mike conley from getting 15.3 points a game from the previous season to the season where he coached them with 20.5 points so increase his star players his star point guard by five points a game that's pretty great, you know. That's pretty great within one season. Uh, Jermichael Green had his best season as a rebounder, going from four total rebounds to eight rebounds per game, while increasing his three-point percentage from point, uh, .333 to point .379, which regressed under Bickerstaff the fo- like the season after Fitzdale got fired. Not even the season, the days after. I guess the remaining season that... Um, big staff coach instead of Fisdale because he was fired in the early season. He regressed to .339. That's a pretty big dip. And as much as Marcus Gasol really hated him, you have to admit that Marcus Gasol was used effectively under 
Fitzdale's tenure. He got Gasol from 16.6 points to 19.5 points a game. While taking a dip in total rebounds, you know, from 7 rebounds to 6.3. But with that, he increased his own assist ratio from 3.7 to 5 assists a game. That's that's some pretty good coaching under one season, I would say. And yes, I know that, oh, you could spread out so much stats, but you don't know the game. Bro, he took this team, this veteran-ass team, and took them to the playoffs in his first season. He's from the Eric Spolstra coaching tree. And Eric Spolstra is a pretty damn good coach. Like, you see how... He took at least one game from the Sixers. He, the man knows how to coach. And anyone that was under Eric Spolstra, who was able to rein in LeBron James during his peak performance, who was able to win with the big three heat, three championships, you gotta like, you gotta give credit where credit is due. And to see this guy who was under Eric Spolstra for that many number of years to have coached LeBron personally, coached D. Wade personally, to coach Chris Bosh, to coach, to coach Mike Miller, to coach Bearman Anderson, Shane Battier, you know, all of those guys. Hell, even Udonis Haslam, who's still on the team, who I believe is going to be a lifer, he's going to get an upper management position one day. Guarantee that. But you get my point, that that guy... It's still there. And then when he left, he started winning with the team that he was just appointed head coach on. Shows he has talent. Shows he has talent. Now, what I want to get to the point is that while we hired Fisdale, I want to go into what the New York front office wants out of a coach. So it was reported that, you know, by Scott uh, Perry and uh, Stephen Mills that they want a defensive focus you know historically the Knicks have been a defensive team goes back in the days of uh Allen Houston uh Knicks I'm trying to remember the old Knicks the old Knicks I'm trying to remember the coach that really brought us like a first championship he's escaping my like mind right now remember but yes we want a defensive focused team they want to really know what to do with our Rookie, Frank Natalikina. Honestly, I believe Frank is going to be a stud. He's going to be a two-way stud. The kid hasn't touched the weight at all, and they believe he could grow another two inches. He's 6'5". Imagine he goes to, like, 6'7". He's only 19. Bound to be... He's going to be 20 within the offseason, I think. Uh, <laughs> he has great patience and personal relationships. But the fact that he could literally coach a team who didn't make the playoffs before without him as a head coach to making the playoffs at least with that type of roster, I gotta say, he has some talent with his own relationships, especially with that soundbite now, saying that, like, oh, I know we are not in the playoffs all that much, but you don't rook us like that. It shows he has character and it shows he can handle the media, which is great for New York. New Yorkers... We love our sports. We love the Knicks. We love the Mets. We love the Yankees. We love the Rangers, the Islanders. I guess even the Nuts at this point. 
But we also love big personalities. Rex Ryan, when he was first signed on to coach the Jets, he wore like wigs, told crappy jokes. You know, everyone ate it up because he was winning. And then one thing to be wary about is that as soon as he started losing, everyone started hating on him. Uh, we love Tom Coughlin for the Giants. And he was he was more of like, I guess, a little bit more stoic, but he was serious. But he would still joke with the media, too. And I believe that having a good character is necessary to be a coach in New York, to handle the media, to ask the right questions, to give the right answers, to be no nonsense about it. Because, as what I said with uh, Tom Coughlin and Rex Ryan, Rex Ryan, he got turned on immediately and no one took his jokes kindly. They mocked him for it. Versus Tom Coughlin, who was a little bit more stoic, serious, yeah, the Giants won against the Patriots twice to get the NFL Super Bowl rings. It just she goes to show that, like, if you can handle the media, if you give the right answers, if you're no-nonsense about it, we'll take you more seriously, even if we lose. Um, with, all, with all that said, I'm not disappointed in this at all. I really... I was honestly shocked when I found out that Fitzdale was going to be our coach, but I was not disappointed. I wanted Budenholzer, but this actually amps up the whole theory that, oh, Budenholzer's holding out for Milwaukee to sign them. Now, I don't know what Milwaukee's going to do because their whole front office is so dysfunctional. Apparently, the uh, owners, they, they don't know what to do. They rotate power, apparently. That's what I was reading. And, wow, they're, they they have the most potential to be NBA champions. And I assume that's what Budenholzer is trying to actually acquire. He's trying to coach a generational talent like Giannis Antetokounmpo. They have great player. They have a great player in Chris Middleton. They have someone with potential who I feel like falls into Andrew Wiggins' potential category in Jabari Parker. Don Maker's there as well. I... I hope they get Bud, but I don't really know. It, it's all up in the air. Um, the Suns also just got uh, Coco. I can't even pronounce his name, but his nickname apparently is Coco. And he was the Jazz assistant head coach, and we all know how good the Jazz are, considering they still are within the NBA playoffs. Which give credit where credit is due. <clears throat> the coaching staffing Donovan Mitchell. Oh my lord. I'll get into him another time. Because man, he is tearing it up. And another note. Uh, ben Simmons really had no shot in 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about Sixers right now. They're kind of like low-key choking. Brad Stevens just a god among coaches. He's going to be a new Greg Popovich. Mark my words. I won't go into detail with that game because I have not seen it fully and I still and I don't want to watch the highlights. I have it recorded. So I'll go into that a little bit later in different podcasts. Right now though, we're switching to LeBronto. <clears throat> so, everyone knows for the past two years, LeBron 
dad dicks the Toronto Raptors. Now, this year, the Raptors have been saying, oh, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Well, this reminds me of when Mar- Marcin Gortat of the Washington Wizards says, no more layups. And then next, you know, they, they just get murdered on. And it's just through layups. That's the irony of all this, is that, like, when a player says it's something is gonna, like, not happen, oh, that thing definitely happens. But to really go into detail about Lebronto, or, like, so, no one really knew how the Cleveland Cavaliers were gonna fare against the Raptors. They lost game one. Uh, the Raptors did not show up at all for game two. And you would think that, oh, we're down one game. We can't get swept. Bro, you all are getting swept hard right now. LeBron is getting the broom out. He's basically bending you guys down and just repeatedly taking that broom and putting it, you know, Kyle Lowry's, like, you know what. That's how bad it is. Um, notable performance, though, before I even get into LeBron's games, that Kevin Love returned to form this game. He played 35 minutes, 11 rebounds, and 31 points. That is what I love to see from Kevin Love. Because last, my last episode, I was trashing on him. This episode, he, sh- he's, he showed up and... Honestly, I can say is that if the Cavs keep playing like this, they're 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 gonna go to the con- they're gonna go to at least the conference finals and NBA finals, and no one could really like stop them. LeBron's just gonna go to the finals again. Admittedly, I don't believe he's gonna win because it's between Houston or the Warriors. I believe that the Warriors might come again, and I, as much as I hate it, we're gonna see the fourth time these teams meet. I and mean, it might be the last time too if LeBron really does leave but uh, another, more, another notable performance is J.R. Smith coming consistently through the playoffs for the Cavaliers he gets better and better as the playoffs go along that's why I feel like uh, he played 35 minutes a rebound and assist with 15 points I that's what I expect from J.R. really any god isn't making it happen for the Cavaliers uh, George Hill was doing alright, same as everyone else, 35 minutes, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 13 points. Kyle Corver didn't do any damage this like game, 5 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. Jeff Green came up decently big coming off the bench with 20 minutes with 14 points, that's some good offense. Tristan Thompson seems to be getting more minutes but he didn't do much in this game, but I would say this curse is low-key lifted after getting in it, getting it in with some thoughts. But LeBron, man, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. The announcer literally said LeBronto, and everyone just ran with it. Hell, there's a Photoshop picture of the city of Toronto, called like with a sign saying LeBronto. That's how bad, <laughs> like, LeBronto was really dad-dicking these Raptors. He had played 41 minutes. Eight, he nearly had a triple, 
a triple double. Holy Jesus, man. Played 41 minutes with 8 rebounds, 14 assists, and 43 points. The majority of those points, you want to know where it came from? From fadeaway jumpers. That's crazy. At his age, fadeaway jumpers, he was just feeling it today. He could not miss. That's the crazy part. He would always just do a quick turnaround, just fade away, and just swoosh. It would just go in. I'm astounded that this man keeps on improving and putting up 40-point games. Apparently, there's a stat out there, actually, that Dirk and Kobe only had four 40-point games in their career, while LeBron already has seven in this playoffs alone. That is just... It's insane. It's asinine. This man is literally a cheat code. <laughs> like, it's like it's like as if someone actually programmed a cheat code into the NBA and it's like LeBron James. Oh, instant trip to the finals. That's how crazy it is. And it seems like we still get more and more surprised that this man can do it all, can will this team back in. He's a great leader, I will say that. He's a great leader in that he's making this Cavs team filled with old, old players. Hell, they're not even giving some of the players they traded for minutes. Who, Jordan Clarkson had, what, 14 minutes, but he only had 5 points and, a, and what, a rebound? That's not production at all. Rodney Hood, he had 12 minutes. He had 4 rebounds and 3 assists, but... Nothing else. Larry Nance Jr., who's supposed to be one of their big stars, getting his jersey off, like his dad's number. He had three minutes and a rebound. C.D. Osmond, I wish he could come off the bench more, but they're not giving him minutes at all. Bruh, damn. This, they're going with the veteran lineup with J.R., K-Love, George Hill, Kyle Corver, with Jeff Green coming off the bench, and Tristan Thompson coming off the bench. I have to say, that lineup's... It, they're letting the players that have been proving themselves in the playoffs have been playing in the NBA for a while, not letting the young guys play. You could tell that this is a uh, win-now team. This is a win-or-go-home team. This is your career or might be over after this type of team. Because really, without LeBron, this team would would probably be what? Maybe a late eight seed? Maybe they'd probably be a 10 seed if that was y'all allowed, but man, LeBron's really bringing this Caps team to life. They're really gelling. They really are gelling. They had the fewest turnovers. They had they had the playoff record right now for the fewest turnovers. That's three. And they scored 128 points. 128 points with three turnovers only. That's crazy. It's all because of LeBron, because the offense facilitates through LeBron. All those post-fadeaways, LeBron. Any other type of shot that goes through another player, guess who passes it? LeBron. Maybe Caleb passes it too, but it's LeBron. It's crazy how good LeBron is and is making this Cavs team gel so well. They're getting better and better each playoff team. And they're making these Raptors shake in their boots. 
Like, come on, man. You're the first seed. You're losing to the fourth seed and one of the weakest Cavalier teams we've ever seen. Is it just because of LeBron? Is it because, like, he's taking a belt out and just, like, beating your asses with it? Like, as if you got, like, a bad report card grade? Say, oh, you don't show up to the playoffs. Beat up. You're getting beat up. Bro, get the fuck out of here. And I'm pulling for the Raptors, too. But if you all are playing like this, you don't deserve a team. You don't deserve, like, the likes of DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Hell, I think Kyle Lowry actually disappeared in these playoffs because I really thought he'd be doing better. But, man, he's he's not. They're, they're not. So, on the Raptors' side, let's... So, Valanciunas actually showed up to play. You know, you could tell he was heated. He had a double-double, 27 minutes, uh, 12 rebounds, and 16 points. I respect that. He showed up to play. He was not going to miss any of those easy lay-ins. He actually got them in. He actually got a lot of good dunks in, too. But, and you would think that the Raptors, they, they pride themselves on the bench. But, man, the bench did not show up this game at all. So... Let me just finish up with the starters. Uh, OG Anubi, uh, he, his primary goal, him and Pascal Siakam, their goal was to defend LeBron, but obviously that that, that did not work well. Uh, Serge Ibaka had two points and six rebounds. He's He needs to be more consistent. I don't know what the hell's going on with Serge. I really thought he'd show up for the Raptors, but no, it's, all, it's just a DeMar... And I guess Valanciunas show. Uh, Kyle Lowry had 34 minutes, four rebounds, eight assists, 21 points. I feel like that should be better though. If you're trying to take out LeBron, there needs to be more. Uh, Demar Derozan, 35 minutes, uh, three assists, and 24 points. I mean, he was still playing hard after they were losing by what 15, which became 20. Like, man, the Cavaliers just went on a whole run. It's kind of crazy. They went on, like, a 4-14 and 14 run at one point. That's how it became so exasperated, the score. Like, you would think that, like, someone like Pasco Siakam or Jonas Valanciunas, hell, even CJ Miles, you would think they would all play some defense. But, man, they just, they were trash. They were trash. So... Fred Van Fleet, you know, he's a six-man. He's borderline starting. He's the core of the bench. He had 14 points, 24 minutes, and four assists. He's he's the only one that's really showing up for the bench. I really thought the bench production would be a lot better than this. I personally have not been watching the Raptors, so do not take my words as, like, the God judgment of all this. But it just felt like when I was watching the game... That the Raptors just gave up once the Cavaliers had like a 10 point lead. It was like 91 81 until like the, the early fourth quarter. And it just felt like no one had the enthusiasm to really defend LeBron. No one had the enthusiasm. And it also comes down to coaching too. Like, what is Dwayne Casey doing? Like, I believe that like they should double up on LeBron and then really just trap him. Take, get some steals. But no, no one's doubling up on LeBron. They're too focused on the other shooters, which I understand. But if you double up LeBron, 
Who is he going to pass it to? You have to trap LeBron into making bad passes to actually get to like a man who won't be able, be able to have a good look to shoot. Clearly, that's not what they did, and I don't know what they're doing. The entire offense revolves around LeBron, and I understand how great he can be. He's shown us time and time and again, but man, what are they doing? And what you all know what irritated me the most? If you look at the post-game interviews for DeMar and uh, Dwayne Casey, it's the same things they've been saying for the past couple years. Dwayne Casey says, like, He's, <clears throat> he basically says that, like, oh, we have to f- play with pride. Bro, your pride is already broken. You lost two at home. I understand that, like, you're trying you're like trying to save face for the fact that your team can't mentally show up and that you want the Raptors the whole entire regular season. You've been preaching that w- you're different, that you guys will succeed, and that you guys are going to go to the finals as the one seed. And yet you guys are choking against the fourth seed, weakest Cavaliers team since, like, the 07 LeBrons. And you're saying that you have to play with pride after losing two games at home? Man, just say it how it is. The the team is shook by LeBron. The team is shook. DeMar DeRozan said that they have to come back stronger, which I... All of this is just, like, it's the correct things to say, but it's just that, like, as a Raptors supporter... And I'm pretty sure Raptors fans everywhere are going to be like, we've heard it all, we've seen it all, this doesn't change the fact, you have to actually play and show up. Instead of just giving us like BS words to talk about. You actually have to prove what you say. And that's the thing, they're not proving it at all. They still look weak and helpless and like puppies compared to the damn football that LeBron is. You have to do something, and I don't know what you're going to do, because if you guys are really, like, if you're playing this badly, you don't deserve to be the one seed. Hell, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs if you can't deal with LeBron. And one thing is is that, how are you going to have CJ Miles defending LeBron at some point? And then he's trailing. CJ Miles really he's a pretty slow defender defending wise. How are you gonna have him try to defend K Love or LeBron? It's just K Love played great this game, but man. Where are these Raptors? They're not there at all. I don't know what else to say. It's LeBronto. And the next two games are in Cleveland. Everyone's expecting a sweep. I'm expecting them to actually steal a game. I'm hoping they steal two games. So that when they go back to Toronto, they have a momentum shift. Because if they win three, if the Cavaliers win three, who, no one's really come back from a 3-0 deficit. Actually, no, that was my bad. My fault. I scratched that. Only one team has come back from a 3-1 deficit. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Warriors. But... I don't know what the Raptors are going to do. That's just my take.
You can take all this for data. I gotta go to sleep. So, see you guys later. Peace.